Dylan from None Dare Call It Ordinary here. Unfortunately, we were unable to begin our new series this week because yours truly got blessed with a beautiful kidney stone, which left me in bed for a few days. But fear not. While we have had to push that series back a week, we still have some delicious little audio treats for you today to send your way. Before we get to them, just a quick reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served, and to please tell five friends about your fanatical zeal for our program. Also, you can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, YouTube, and on the regular old internet at NoneDareCallItOrdinary.com. Now with that out of the way, we're going to start today's episode with not one, but two readings of the poems of our favorite political cult leader, Lyndon LaRouche. The first is read by Brent, and the second is read by Brent's cousin, Jub Jubson, who we haven't had an opportunity to meet, but I think you're going to be really impressed. And you could find Jub on Instagram at Jub Jubson's, that is J-U-B-J-U-B-S-O-N-S. Now let's get started first with Brent's rendition. Poems by L. Marcus Morning is a wonderful day. When I was a young man, I had a lyre, and while I held it in my hand, I could sing so beautifully. The melody is gone. Like a spring-planted seed in autumn's harvest, but the fruit is wisdom. What does the seed know of wisdom? or autumn fruit, if song? Yet from the fruit may come new seeds, and then we shall never want for melody. Let me say what I cannot sing, and let the music be your own. The mist clears, it is simple greened field, the moist grass so richly hued, and sparkling in the early morning light. There is a tree here, a tree there, but the man quietly standing there does not seem to know how vast the expanse. He smiles and says nothing. Meeting his eyes, terrible knowledge leaps up within me. Why do I watch the sailing hawk? Soon, I think, there will be ducks. Silly, squawking ducks. Then the duck will die. I will tell you how. He will quiver in his soaring. His strong wings will press against the wind. In that first bold thrust, he will move up. You can see that if you watch closely. Then his plummet begins. See the ducks then. With sure artistry, his movement. Cry for the duck? <laughs> you silly chickens. This is a hawk. See now how he moves. Do you know the pleasure of your agony? Making mountain camp? After a 12-hour climb in a sleeting rain? When the morning comes, the sky will clear. If you remain another night, the night too will be clear. From the mountaintop, you will look down and you will see the lights. You will think it's strange that the people who live so close to those places, cannot see where they live, nor know the desire to be warm. On a cold winter's day, I had a warm remembrance. It moved outward from somewhere deep within me, until it brought comfort to my limbs, 
and a glow like a warm brandy to my cheeks. Somewhere there is a warm house, but it lacks the beauty of the cold winter's day. Spring will come. I shall not be there, but I shall still delight in the warm remembrance of an old dream. One day, where the children played, there came a smiling man from a dead planet. He stood as if to show he knew the way of children and a stranger. Soon, more curious than startled, the children shuffled, eyeing the figure that seemed not to menace after all. He is this, one said, or perhaps that, another suggested. One child looked directly at the man. The stranger's eyes smiled, his mouth unchanged. In time, the boldest spoke, the stranger nodded, another tried. He does not speak our language, one proposed. After the failure of several efforts to prompt conversation from the visitor, he knows, another corrected. See his eyes? He understands? Another asked. You understand? He said to the stranger. The man's expression didn't change. They swore later, but all the same, they knew he understood. They were pleased, so pleased, they turned from their visitor for a moment to share their opinion. When they glanced back, he was gone. They never saw him again. But they know that something important and good had happened for him and for themselves. Finn. Wow, truly truly a moving piece of literature and Brent really I think encapsulated the meaning of that poem but now let's move on to Brent's cousin Jub let's see what he can do let's see his interpretation of the same poem hello everybody it's me Jubs give me one second let me get ready this is my favorite man his name's L. Marcus Marcus this is poems here, so it's called The Morning is a Wonderful Day. I might mess up a bit. I don't know how to read, so bear with me. When I was a young man, I had a lyre. And while I held it in my hand, I could sing so beautifully. The melody is gone like a spring-planted seed in autumn's harvest. But the fruit is wisdom. What does the seed know of wisdom or autumn fruit of song? Yet from the fruit may come new seeds, and then we shall never want for melody. Let me say what I cannot sing, and let the music be your own. The misclears. Well, it is a simple green field, the moist grass so richly hued, and sparkling in the early morning light. I would have went with the word dude there, but that's fine. This is a tree here, a tree there. Ah, shit, I messed up. Let me start over. There's a tree here, a tree there, but the man quietly standing there does not seem to know how vast the expanse. He smiles and says nothing, meeting his eyes. Terrible knowledge leaps up within me. Lost my place. Why do I watch the sailing hawk? Well, soon I think there will be ducks. Silla, <laughs> silla squawking ducks. Well, then the duck will dive. I'll tell you how. 
He will quiver in his soaring. His strong wings will press against the wind. In that first bold thrust, he will move up. Well, he will see that if you watch closely. So then his plummet begins. See the ducks then with sure artistry in his movements. Cry for the duck. <laughs> you silly chickens. <laughs> this is a hawk. <sighs> so see now now he moves. See how he moves there? I messed that up a little bit, but just continuing on. Do you know the pleasure of your agony making mountain camp after a, well, 12-hour climb and sleet and rain? When the morning comes, the sky will clear. If you remain another night, the night too will be clear. From the mountaintop, you'll, you'll look down, see, and you will see the lights, see, and will think it strange that the people who live in the and so close to them places cannot see where they live nor know the desire to be warm. Mm. In a cold winter's day, I had a warm remembrance. I moved outward from somewhere deep within me until it brought comfort to my limbs and a glow like a warm brandy mm, yum, to my cheeks. Somewhere there was a lot... Ah, boy, shit. Let me start over again. Sorry about it. Somewhere there is a warm house, but it lacks the beauty of the cold winter's day. Spring will come. I shall not be there, but I shall still delight in the warm remembrance of an old dream. One day, where the children played, there came a smiling man from a dead planet. He stood as if to show he knew the way of children and a stranger. Soon, more curious than startled, the children shuffled, I and the figure that seemed not menace after all. He is this, one said, or perhaps that, another suggested. One child looked directly at the man. The stranger's eyes smiled, his mouth unchanged. In time, the boldest spoke. The stranger nodded, another tried. He does not speak our language. <laughs> One proposed after the failure of several efforts to prompt conversation from the visitors. He knows, another corrected. See his eyes. He understands. Another asked, you understand? He said to the stranger. The man's expression didn't change, he swore later. But all the same, they knew he understood. They were pleased. So pleased, they turned from the visitor for a moment to share their opinions. Well, then they glanced back as he was gone. They never saw him again, but, well, they knew. But that something, something important and good had happened for him and for themselves. That's the end of the poem. Shall I shut it off? Mom? Is that okay if I shut it off? Oh, it looks like uh, Joe was having some technical troubles near the end, but still an incredible reading. Lastly, we have Forrest introducing a new series, None Dare Call It Wrong, where we correct all the mistakes we are bound to make. And here is Forrest explaining the series as well as going into some of the mistakes we made on our last episode on Five Myths About Mass Incarceration. Hello, Forrest here from None Dare Call It Ordinary. We're going to try a new subseries called None Dare Call It Wrong. Brent Dillon and I admit that with all the complex subjects we cover, 
Even though we try to do our due diligence, it's likely we'll say something false every now and then. So, we'd like to use these segments as a way to make up for it, and at least not contribute to the very worrisome spread of misinformation on this glorious thing called the internet. But if you come across anything you find false or disingenuous on our podcast, please email at us at nondarecalloutordinary at gmail.com. And if you're right about how shitty we are, we'll bring it up on this subseries. We'll even attribute it to you if you give us your name and express permission to use it in the email you send us. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about a few issues that cropped up in our last None Dare Call It news segment, in which we talked about five myths of mass incarceration as claimed by the Prison Policy Initiative. So let's get right into it. First, even though Dylan did correct himself in the last podcast, he accidentally referred to the Prison Policy Initiative as the Prison Policy Institute. Second, although I, Forrest, say it's obviously little throwback to uh, Paul Potter there, obviously true that China has a larger prison population than the U.S., even though the U.S. might have a larger per capita prison population, I'm just dead wrong. Not only does the U.S. have a larger per capita prison population than China, it has a larger raw prison population headcount. According to prisonstudies.org, the total prison population of the United States is 2,121,600 people, topping the list. China comes in at second place with 1,649,804 total. Third, even though Dylan believed that China and Saudi Arabia came close to the United States in terms of per capita incarceration, that's also false. The United States comes in at number one at 655 per 100,000 people. China comes in at 135th place with 118 people per 100,000. And Saudi Arabia comes in 73rd place, tied with Jordan, at 197 people per 100,000. Forrest and Dylan talk about Anders Breivik, a far-right terrorist who killed 77 people in Oslo, Norway. Dylan got his prison sentence length incorrect. He believed it was 18 years. It was actually 21 years. Also, that sentence can be extended if he's considered a threat to society, undercutting my point of bringing up Norway's overly liberal system as a counterexample to the United States' extremely punitive prison system. So that's it for this segment. But now that we have established this new series, please email us about anything we got wrong at nondarecalloutordinary at gmail.com. Thanks, Forrest, for that. And that is bound to be a fun series. And once again, as Forrest said, please let us know about all the mistakes we made. We want to be forthright and we want to be blasting the truth out to the masses and nothing less. And with that, we are done with the episode proper. And once again, if we can remind you to please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. Also a reminder that the social media hegemony challenge is still raging to determine which co-host will preemptively war his way to democratizing the Internet. And here are the stats thus far. Right now, Brent, who is in charge of the Instagram account at none dare call it ordinary, is still at 114 followers, which is a zero net change from last week. So he is currently on track to win the Saddam Hussein Bronze Star Award for being a total loser. It's hard to say, but there's plenty of time. Forrest, who is in charge of our YouTube account, currently has 26 subscribers, which is two more for last week. But even though he's beating Brent, he is still on track to win the Nicolas Maduro Silver Star Award for being defeated, but still kicking. 
And then there's me, your lovely co-host Dylan, who is in charge of Twitter at NDCIO, who currently has 362 followers, which is an increase of 37 from last week. So right now I am sitting pretty and it looks like I am on track to win the John Bolton Gold Star Award for total world domination. But despite my lead, it is still anybody's game. And as an added incentive, be sure to tag us on any content related to Saddam Hussein, Nicholas Maduro, or John Bolton, or really any neocons you happen to find in the wild. We'll share your post, whether on Twitter or Instagram, and give you a shout out on the next episode as well. So please get onto the social medias, get onto YouTube, leave a YouTube comment, and we'll give you a shout out. And if you eschew social media completely, but you still want to uh, support one of us in any way you can, you can always just send us a regular email, none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Or we also have a contact page on our website, none dare call it ordinary. Dot com. And with that, we are no. Nerd-